So today we're continuing on in Daniel, all right? So um, receive with new ears here. You can't hear with your eyes. Look with new eyes. You know, I've got some pictures to try to keep you entertained a little bit. There's something to that. I'm not here to entertain you, but we are human beings and we have a short attention span. They say that you can only handle 20 minutes and then you lose interest. Do you believe that? I refuse to believe that. Now, some of you, yes, you do. That's between you and the Lord. <laughs> Unless I put some fireworks up here, I'm not going to get you. So, But God can do better than fireworks, too. I just pray we don't have to bow our heads or close our eyes. Uh, we're amongst believers right now. We're in God's house. Can you imagine the tabernacle in the wilderness if we were actually in there right now, in that tent with the power of God? It's no different than here. Okay. So, Father, we praise you, and we ask that you will show us your power today. We ask, God, that you will wake us up, Father. We pray that you'll snap us out of this stupor that we're in, Lord, that we can see who we are and the role that we have during this time in history. We praise you, God. We come here today believing you, believing your word, believing that you're actually here with us right now, Father. In Jesus' name, we praise you. Amen. So today we're looking at Daniel chapter 5. Um, I have never preached this before, so I had a lot of fun with it, researching it this week. So um, hopefully you guys will enjoy it. What is great about this passage is you can get and dig into history and you can prove this stuff. Sometimes in the Bible, you know, it's we walk by faith and not by sight. This is a passage that you can look up the facts. So if you're a doubter, and I don't mean that in a bad way, like you you dirty doubter. But if you're having trouble with the Word of God, having faith, know this one. You can go check it out. And I challenge you that. I challenge you if you're sitting there today and you're just enduring this because you came with somebody, you don't really believe it, you don't buy into it, this is for you. This is for you. Listen up. And you can go back and research this. So you, if I got you guys' attention, do you hear this? Listen up on this one and go back and do your homework and check it out. Okay, go back and check it out. So Daniel chapter 5, we're going to see some themes here today. The first one is that God is faithful to fulfill his word. Okay, so we've got the word of God. I almost grabbed this book. That's not the word of God. We have the word of God. And as a people, we need to remember now. We need to remember, remember the word of God is true and it's just as much alive today. Because we're going to see a people that may have forgotten. And we become a people that forget also. So God is faithful to fulfill his word. You're going to see that in what we're going through today. God is the ruler over all mankind. We've been talking about that in Daniel. There's nothing happening in the world right now that's catching God by surprise. He's the ruler of all mankind. Now, get this one. God holds your breath and all of your ways in his hands. You. I had we, and sometimes we use we, but today it was like, no, it's you. You need to hear today in this, this word of God. He holds your breath only reason you're sitting here breathing right now is because he gave you breath and he has not taken it from you yet, okay? And all your ways are in his hands. And finally, with God, all things are possible. We need to remember that, don't we? You know, that's impossible. That's impossible. That was a saying in Belgium. We learned that when we first got to Belgium. That's not possible. That is not possible. And we found that so funny. With God, all things are possible. Okay, all right, so the main point is God is faithful to his word. Numbers 23, 19 says that God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do it, or has he spoken and he will not make it good? So that's important. I'm going to roam a little bit today because I want to try to get you guys' attention, okay? If you are tech savvy and you're on your Bible on your phone, stay on your Bible, 
don't venture into something else. Don't check your email, okay? Because God wants to speak to you. If you got something running in your ear right now, you're listening to simultaneously, turn it off and take it out. I challenge you to, to, to check this out and see if this is not true, okay? This is very important today to know that the Word of God is true. There is a Barna survey that just came out. It said 65% of Americans ages 13 to 21 believe many religions can lead to eternal life. Okay, you got that? And that's a 7% increase since 2018. Now, you might be sitting here today and you say, yeah, I, I believe that. I believe many religions lead to heaven. People in church could be believing it. It's not true. Okay, uh, you can believe that. You can believe whatever you want. But if you claim the name of Christ and you believe the word of God, the word of God tells us that is absolutely false. So I, I told one of my kids this. She's 17, soon to be 18. And she said, oh, absolutely, this is what people believe out there. She was not shocked. She was just like, yeah, that's what people believe out there. She does not, but she knows others who do. So this is really important. If you're listening to me, if you're listening to what's being said, and you're there and you're buying into something called moral relativism, meaning they all, all roads lead to Rome, uh, Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, Christianity, that's a lie. And if you believe the Word of God, which we're going to see today, stands and God's faithful to His Word, that there's only one way to heaven, that's through Christ. Okay? Maybe you wouldn't expect that from the book of Daniel, right? Okay, so the backstory here, we've been going through this. I won't relate all of it all the way back to Abraham. Abraham had a covenant with God, which is a covenant of grace meaning it was all dependent on God. God told Abraham to go, and then God was going to do it. And he said, I'm going to make you a man of many people. All these people are going to come from you, and we're going to give you this land. This land will be yours. Throughout time, that will never change. We see the people are out there now. We see they're back in their land, and this is going to continue on. That was a covenant of grace. Now, later came a covenant of works through Moses. And with the covenant of grace, God's going to ensure it happens. Covenant of works, he's working with us, and we are to do some things. And we're going to see that the Israelites were not upholding their end of the covenant. And when that happens, God will chastise his people and bring them back to the place they need to be. And that's where they are right now. They are carried away to Babylon. Okay, Everybody good on that one? Check. And a little bit about Nebuchadnezzar. I'm sorry, Wes. I'm skipping chapter 4 because chapter 5 will touch on it. It's one of Wes's favorites where Nebuchadnezzar gets high and lifted up and he thinks, look at all that I've done. And then God humbles him and sends him out into the wilderness like an animal for a time until he acknowledges God. And we'll see that today. But right now we're in uh, Daniel chapter 5. And we're going to see that God's word is good and God fulfills his word. He makes sure his word happens. And we need to remember that today, okay? All right, so God's word spoken in Jeremiah. The, the prophecies of the Bible are something to get your attention. If you think this is any book like any other book, no other book contains prophecies that have been fulfilled and are yet to be fulfilled. So it is in your face, and it's a challenge for those who doubt and don't believe. You have to try to wrestle with this and reconcile your unbelief with the prophetic word of God. So Dan, Jeremiah had prophesied about this. I'm going to read it to you. I'll highlight a few things for you to keep you in there. So the word that came to Jeremiah concerning all the people of Judah. In the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, that was the first year of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, historic figure, he was real, which Jeremiah the prophet spoke to all the people of Judah and to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Right, here's what he said. From the thirteenth year of Josiah, the son of Ammon, the king of Judah, even to this day, these twenty-three years, the word of the Lord has come to me, and I have spoken to you again and again but you have not listened. 
Now, now pay attention. Good, we got a smile there, yeah? Word of God, speaking through his prophet. And the Lord has sent to you all his servants, the prophets, again and again, but you have not listened, nor inclined your ear to hear, saying, Turn now everyone from his evil way and from the evil of your deeds, and dwell on the land which the Lord has given to you and your forefathers forever and ever, and do not go after other gods to serve them and to worship them, and do not provoke me to anger with the work of your hands." Who, who is doing evil here? Is it God? It's the people, right? He made it very clear, if you don't use your hands to do these things, it's going to go well. But if you do, you're going to get wrath. He said, if you don't do this, I will give you no harm. Yet you have not listened to me. How many people sit here right now, you have not been listening to God? You have not listened to me, declares the Lord, in order that you might provoke me to anger with the work of your hands to your own harm. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, because you have not obeyed my words, behold, I will send and take all the families of the north, declares the Lord, and I will send to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, my servant, and will bring them against this land and against its inhabitants and against all these nations round about, and I will utterly destroy them and make them a horror and a hissing and an everlasting desolation. There's a lot of words hanging there. Moreover, I will take from them the voice of joy and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the sound of the millstones and the light of the lamp. This whole land will be a desolation and a horror, and these nations will serve the king of Babylon 70 years. This is where it's getting good, okay? So God has declared something. If you misbehave, if you go chasing after things you shouldn't, the hand of judgment's going to come down. And the hand of judgment's coming down now, but it's going to be for a period of time of 70 years. Now, that one we can check, right? Okay, so he's told them 70 years. Again, Jeremiah 29.10, you can see behind me. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and will fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. So it's happened, bad has befallen upon them, judgment has come, but God has made a promise 70 years from now, after you've been cleansed and, and you've learned to get back on the right path, I'm going to come get you, and I'm going to deliver you. Do we need to remember that? Yes. Regardless of what's going on out there, God is still in charge. God is coming back. Okay, he is coming back, and in the meantime, he is lifting us out of this existence one at a time as we come to him. As he calls to us and we come to him and give our lives to him, he's delivering us as individuals and as a people. Okay? And he's active throughout history. So a big part of this picture, a big, a big player and a big role in this is a city. It's the city of Babylon. Okay? So Babylon was the, 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 the place. It was the place. Back in the day, I mean, it, anything here, Youngtown, would just be a speck of dust compared to Babylon. I want you to look at this picture, and I want to read somebody's words just to describe Babylon so you can get an idea where it's at. So hang with me on the reading, okay? It was a golden kingdom of a golden age. Babylon was a metropolis. It towered to a height never reached by any of its successors. Situated in the Garden of the East, laid out in a perfect square said to be 60 miles in circumference, 15 miles on each side. Can you imagine how big this place was? Okay. Surrounded by a wall estimated to have been 200 to 300 feet high and 87 feet thick with a moat or ditch around this of equal cubic capacity with the wall itself. Now this is important. Pay attention because this is where God's people have been taken. And it, how could you possibly escape this fortress? 
You think about this. This is where they're living. Divided into squares by its many streets, each one 150 feet in width, crossing at right angles, every one of them straight and level. It's 225 square miles of enclosed surface laid out in luxuriant pleasure grounds and gardens. Interspersed with magnificent dwellings, this city with its 60 miles of moat, its 60 miles of outer wall, its 30 miles of river wall through its center, its gates of solid brass, its hanging gardens rising terrace above terrace to the equal in height, the walls themselves, its temple of Belus, three miles in circumference, its two royal palaces, one three and a half and the other eight miles in circumference, with its subterranean tunnel running underneath the Euphrates River. The Euphrates River ran through this city, and they had a tunnel actually underneath it to connect the palaces. It's perfect arrangement for convenience, ornament, and defense, and its unlimited resources. This city containing in itself many things which were themselves wonders of the world. It was itself a still mightier wonder. And it's also said and believed that this city had, they claimed to have enough supplies on hand that they could last 20 years before anyone got in. So let me break this down to you. This magnificent, amazing city, that's where God's people had been carried away to. They have any chance of getting out of there alive? On their own? No. No one could get in. It was impenetrable. It's a fortress. Anybody there who, if you're a Chaldean and you live there, you're in complete safety. It's just magnificent. You could have enemies outside and you don't have to care because there's no way they can get to you. Now, break into that for a minute with some thoughts from your existence and your experiences. Have you ever had a situation like, even God can't get me out of this? Even God can't do anything about this. What could God possibly do? Do you think these people felt this way? We're going to run into a passage right now we're reading, and you don't see anything in here that these people were counting the years. Now, this is an argument from silence. We don't see that they were counting the years, and they were ready to be delivered as we enter into this story. All right? So we're in Babylon, this mighty place with the Euphrates River running down the middle of it. Uh, it's just unbelievable. Okay? Now, this is a time of festival that the story takes place. They believe it was an annual festival, so it was party on. This is bigger than the Super Bowl. But let's think about the Super Bowl, okay? They're having a big party. It happens every time this year. And um, the king is throwing down. He's got this banquet hall, which they have unearthed banquet halls that look big enough to hold a 1,000 people. They even had white plaster walls and, and descriptions that sound a lot like what we read here. But the whole city is on lockdown, and they're having a party. Okay? It's a good time, and they can do that because nobody can get through these walls and get them. But strangely, God said, in 70 years, I am going to deliver my people. So I think there's a challenge been presented to God. You think so? So pay attention to the story. Whatever you're facing, relationships, health, faith, whatever it is where your doubt is at, that God can't do anything, God's not going to do anything, look what he does here. So Daniel chapter 5, 1 through 4. If I haven't got your attention yet, this has got elements of like a ghost story. It's got some creepiness in it. It's got some scariness in it. So let's, let's dive into the story, and it all happened. Belshazzar, the king, held a great feast for a thousand of his nobles. It's a lot of people, isn't it? And he was drinking wine in the presence of the thousand. They are partying. When Belshazzar tasted the wine, he gave orders to bring the gold and silver vessels which Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken out of the temple, which was in Jerusalem, so that the king and his nobles, his wives, and his concubines might drink from them. 
Then they brought the gold vessels that had been taken out of the temple, the house of God, which was in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines, drank from them. They drank the wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Ooh, this is not looking good for these folks, is it? You ever been to one of those parties? You're like, honey, we got to go. <laughs> They're breaking out the stuff. For, oh, let's go. Let's go. We can't leave because it make a bad scene. This was, this was a party that went from bad to worse. You know, he's having such a good time. Now, I want to be honest with you. Belshazzar, if you're paying attention, if you doubt Scripture, if you have trouble with it, for many years, no one's been able to place this guy. And they say this story can't be true because he didn't exist. Okay? So you go do your research and you might run into that. Like, hey, he wasn't even a real guy. I'm dismissing this story. Well, he was a real guy. Okay? He was a lesser than. In 1914, they found proof that he actually did exist. And we're going to see some reference that he was the son of Nebuchadnezzar. But it believes, most people do the research, he was not the son of Nebuchadnezzar. He was the son of Nabonidus, who married Nebuchadnezzar's daughter. Are you sound like we're on Real Housewives now or something? <laughs> so don't let that throw you off when people say that he never existed and that wasn't the case. Research will tell you Nabonidus was real. And Nabonidus married one of Nebuchadnezzar's daughters. So Nebuchadnezzar would be his grandfather. And the use of the word father here can be ancestors, like a grandfather, a great-grandfather. Okay? So sometimes when you get into Scripture, you see these smart guys who throw this stuff out there, and it might sidetrack you and cause you to doubt. But this is all proven. Okay? All right, so he's having a big drinking party, and he gets to feeling so good and so cocky, he's like, hey... Go get those pretty things that my grandfather brought from Jerusalem, and let's use them to toast our gods. And they're toasting all these gods, and they're lifting up their bottles of wine. He's with his wives and his concubines, and it sounds like chaos, doesn't it? But can you imagine the, the, the grandeur of it, the, the music playing, the smells, incense burning, all the food, the wine flowing. You know, it's easy to get drawn into that stuff and get sucked into it and like, wow, this is incredible. You know, the music, boom, 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 boom. And they have dancers going. I've seen you dance. Uh, he's good, he's good. All of this going down, and it's easy to get swept up in this stuff. So they're having this throwdown party, and he is not respecting God. And little does he know that the 70 years that God proclaimed and ordained is up. Okay, And God's going to fulfill his word. So Daniel 5, chapter 5, verses 5 through 9. In the middle of this party, suddenly the fingers of a man's hand emerged and began writing opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. These disembodied fingers appear and start writing silently. Isn't this amazing? And the king saw the back of the hand that did the writing. Then the king's face grew pale, and his thoughts alarmed him, and his hip joints went slack, and his knees began to knock together. I think he was scared. The king called aloud to bring in the conjurers and the Chaldeans and the diviners. The, diviners. the king spoke and said to the wise men of Babylon, any man who can read this instruction and explain its interpretation to me shall be clothed with purple and have a necklace of gold around his neck and have authority as third ruler in the kingdom. Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the inscription or make known its interpretation to the king. Then Belshazzar was greatly alarmed. His face grew even paler, and his nobles were perplexed. I found it interesting when he puts a, a shout out, Any man, 
any man, now women didn't have positions at the time, so it's nothing against the ladies, but he said any man, any man could not do this. Only the man of God. Only the man who wasn't at the party. If Daniel wasn't there. Daniel's about 82 years, 82 years old right now, and he's done with the, the drinking parties. No, he, he was probably never would go to a drinking party. But he's not playing politics. He's back in his room doing whatever Daniel does, and he's the any man that this guy's looking for. But he's calling in all his people, his imams. You hear what I'm saying? His, um, his, uh, his uh, fortune tellers. Right up the street here, we got fortune tellers. He's calling all these people in. Because there's writing on the wall that this finger started writing. The finger of God starts writing. Isn't it interesting? God didn't blast trumpets. There was no fire. There was no angel. Quietly, as they're throwing down and toasting their gods, this finger starts writing on the wall. I love it. Okay? So word is getting around. It's spreading. They're upset. They go to the queen mother. Hey, you got to get in here. He's a hot mess. He's really embarrassing himself. So the queen, who is not his wife, this is probably his um, mother, or she goes back a little bit. This is probably um, Nabonidus' wife, because she has some history in the kingdom. The queen enters the banquet hall. She didn't go either. She didn't want to be a part of it. She's like, let me get my robe. Let me get down there and see what's going on. Can't you see the queen mother coming through? Get up. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. She's getting down there to talk to him. She enters the banquet hall because of the words of the king and his nobles. This is 10 through 12. The queen spoke and said, O king, live forever. Do not let your thoughts alarm you or your face be pale. (laughs) He must have been pretty pale, huh? There is a man in your kingdom in whom is a spirit of the holy gods. And in the days of your father, illumination, insight, and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, appointed him chief of the magicians, conjurers, Chaldeans and diviners. This was because of an extraordinary spirit, knowledge and insight, interpretation of dreams, explanation of enigmas. I love that one. And solving of difficult problems were found in this Daniel. She even remembers his real name. Whom the king named Belteshazzar. Let Daniel now be summoned and he will declare the interpretation. It is interesting, and we do this sometimes. She doesn't know what's going on, does she? Okay, you know, she's given some good advice. You need to go get Daniel, okay? But sometimes we do that. We don't know what's going on, and she's speaking into this, saying it's no reason to be alarmed. It's okay. Get Daniel. He'll tell you what it is. We've got to be careful about that. When something's going on in somebody's life, and we want to come in and give platitudes and say, it's okay. We don't know what God's doing. In this situation, it was not going to be okay for this man. But it's interesting that she remembered, just like when we read about Joseph and um, Pharaoh's cupbearer. Joseph had interpreted a dream, and he was forgotten about for years until the time came, and then they needed someone to come interpret a dream. So Daniel has been remembered, okay? God ensured that Daniel was remembered. You guys with me on this? You hanging? Okay, because this is too good to fall asleep to. I think all of it's too good to fall asleep to. But So verse 13 to 16. Then Daniel was brought in before the king. Can you imagine that, waking him up? Here's another one that's been woken up. Come on in. you got to go in. The king needs you. So the king spoke and said to Daniel, Are you that Daniel who is one of the exiles from Judah, whom my father the king brought from Judah? Now I have heard about you. I have heard about you. That a spirit of the gods is in you, and that illumination, insight, and extraordinary wisdom have been found in you. Just now the wise men and the conjurers were brought in before me that they might read this inscription and make its interpretation known to me. 
but they could not declare the interpretation of the message. But I personally have heard about you. Now listen up, because the question is going to be, what have people heard about you? I have heard about you that you are able to give interpretations and solve difficult problems. Now, if you are able to read the inscription and make its interpretation known to me, you will be clothed with purple and wear a necklace of gold around your neck, and you will have authority as the third ruler in the kingdom. This tells you right now that this dude is the second ruler. His dad is the ruler, and they believe he was over at another Persian empire. So he's second in command. He's telling you, I'll make you third in command. And he's speaking to a man that doesn't care anything about that. Now, some of you can be bought with gold. I'll say some of us. Some of us can be bought with gold and the lure of having the status and the privilege. And that's how the enemy works, right? So he is offering, I'm going to give you these good things if you can interpret this. But the most important that stuck out to me was he said, I have heard about you. I've heard about you. I have heard about you. What, what do we take from that? This man of God had lived a life worthy of God and worthy of his calling. And the word got around. Now, what about us today, 2021? 2020 is over with. Now we're in 2021, and it's already February. What would somebody come up and say to you? Say, you know, I have personally heard about you. Are you somebody that someone could come to from a, for a word of God, to explain the word of God, to, to tell them the way of life? that where peace and security is, who our stronghold is God and God fulfills his word? Or are you something else? Where are you at in your life right now? Someone came and said, I, I heard about you. Would it, would it edify and bring glory to God? Or would it not? In this situation, the life he's been living, the words he's been speaking, the things he's been doing and not doing has spoken well of him and given glory to God. And he is called into the scene now. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, Keep your gifts for yourself or give your rewards to someone else. However, I will read the inscription to the king and make the interpretation known to him. O king, the most high God. Now God's being brought into the picture. They've been in there toasting and vomiting and drinking and doing debauchery and praising other gods. Well, now Daniel's there, and Daniel's like, I'm not a part of this. I'm telling you right now, the king, the most high God, granted sovereignty, grandeur, glory, and majesty to Nebuchadnezzar, your father. Because of the grandeur which he bestowed on him, all the peoples, nations, and men of every language feared and trembled before him. Whomever he wished, he killed. Whomever he wished, he spared alive. And whomever he wished, he elevated and whomever he wished, he humbled. We have some fantastic leaders throughout our history, haven't we? That have done great things. And then we get other leaders that have been hanging on the coattails and the legacy of the others, and they're not living up to it. And that was this man. Daniel said, but when Nebuchadnezzar, his heart was lifted up, and his spirit became so proud that he behaved arrogantly, he was disposed from his royal throne, and his glory was taken away from him. He was also driven away from mankind, and his heart was made like that of the beast, and his dwelling place was with the wild donkeys. He was given grass to eat like cattle, and his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he recognized that the Most High God is ruler over the realm of mankind and that he sets over it whomever he wishes. There are some people right now in high positions of leadership that I wish 
they would see and acknowledge the Most High God is ruler over them, ruler over our Congress, ruler over our Senate, ruler over the office of the President, ruler over the realm of mankind, the UN, the WHO, all of it. And he sets over it whomever he wishes. And don't assume you got this because it's who you are. You got this because he allowed you to be in that position. And he's going to use you even with your wicked mind or your righteousness. He's going to use you to fulfill his purposes, these leaders. I'm not speaking to you right now. And get this now in front of everybody. I love somebody who can speak truth and, and love, right? And he's like 82. And he's been drug out at night. You know how you feel at your age. And he's in front of all these people and all these whitewashed mouths that speak lies just to be in positions of authority. He's like, I don't even want it. You give it to somebody else. And he says, yet you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart. Even though you knew all this, you knew it, you knew all this, you have exalted yourself against the Lord of heaven. And they have brought the vessels of his house before you, and you and your nobles, your wives and your concubines have been drinking wine from them. I feel like a little kid when I got caught by my parents doing something. And they're laying it out. We know what you did. And you have praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, of iron, wood, and stone, and abortion, which do not see, hear, or understand. I added that in. Sorry about that. <laughs> but the God in whose hand are your life breath and all your ways, you have not glorified. Can you imagine how powerful this would be for somebody to hear this today or watch this and God speaks to them and says, I love you so much, you need to hear this today. You think you got where you are because of you and it wasn't because of you. It was because of him. He got you there. He's given you success and your breath is in. You know, you're not going to lose your breath though. he says it's okay. You know, so why are we all so scared? It's a good word for today, right? So God is in control of everything. He's got our breath and our ways in Him. And we are in turn to glorify Him. Yeah. Unglorify Him say, hey, I'm not going to be afraid of anything. I'm, I'm going to be wise. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. But i got a God who has spoken already. He said that I'm His. He holds my breath in His hands. And if He decides to take it one way or another, that's up to Him. Otherwise, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do and I'm going to keep doing. Amen. I'm not going to quit doing So in all of this, we learn some, I'm not done, don't think, oh good, all of this. All of what he just said. We learn some important lessons. The first one's regarding pride and humility. All right? Nebuchadnezzar eventually recognized humility. Belshazzar did not. Nebuchadnezzar did, and he was lifted back out of that, that low spot. Belshazzar didn't learn humility. Matthew 23, 12, Jesus said, Whoever exalts himself shall be humbled, and whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. We need to remember that in this, this, this people, you peculiar people, you chosen priesthood in here today, as we watch the news and we see things going on, let them chase after that. Let them claim all these things they've done. Let them brag, braggadocio, and all of that. That's not who we are. We are to be a humble people, remember who God is, and watch what he's doing. But if you sit here today and you think you got where you are because of you, better watch out. Okay? Because God cares enough that he will humble us. And Jesus said, those whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. I'm excited about that one. In James 4, 
chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 6 and 10, it says, God is opposed to the proud. He's opposed to it. So all this stuff we're seeing, all this pride exhibited, and when you're acting prideful or I'm acting prideful, God, the Most High, is opposed to that. He doesn't like that. He's opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. Is this not a refuge you run to? Babylon has nothing compared to this. In God's hand, and God's grace, he's controlling our, our breath. He's controlling our ways. When we're humble before him, he directs our paths. He's got it all covered, so we don't have to get all upset and mad and afraid because God's got it if you believe it. we got to believe it, right? We have to remember who he is, and we got to learn who we are because, again, these young adults, 13 to 21, are believing in moral relativity. They're believing that any way gets us to heaven, that you could be Muslim and you can get to God, that you could be any ism out there. Right? There's too many to even name. But they think there's many ways to get to God. Now, they can think that. Older people think it too. And I'm learning that age does not bring wisdom. Okay? So many people out there believe, let them believe whatever they believe. But if you are interested... If you're curious, if you want to check God out, we realize that that's not how it works. His, said, his word explicitly says so, and we can hold on to his word. Okay? This is important. I want, the, I want the young people to hear it, because in Babylon that night, while they were all partying in there, there were Jewish people trying to get some rest, because they were in captivity. There were young girls your age there wondering, will I ever marry a man I love? Am I going to be assaulted by one of these Chaldeans? Am I going to have to get up and work for them again? Will God ever hear? Will God ever look? Will God, ever, will, I, will God do anything? Will God deliver me from this? People your age, people your age, they were there. They were in subjugation. They were enslaved and they were in captivity that night while the others were partying. And it's all about to change, isn't it? Because God's moving here. So we learned that about humility. We're seeing now that God is ruler over the realm of mankind. He saw Belshazzar. He saw what he was doing. He elevated his dad or his grandfather, and he's about to take care of him in his pride. God sets over his realm whomever he wishes. If it's President Joe Biden, God has allowed him to be there for a purpose. He has placed him there for a purpose. God holds our breath and all our ways in his hands, and God saw that Belshazzar did not humble his heart before God, and he did not glorify God. So many people are so busy right now pointing a finger at God, they didn't realize he's looking at them and their lack of humility in the face of all creation, of all the things he's made, and the proven fact of prophetic words in the Bible that have since come true, which nobody could have known or predicted. And, and we're, we're so privileged to sit here today and look back and see how this happened, and God did live up to his word. So here's what Daniel has to say. It's really cool. Verse 24, 28, Then the hand was sent from him, and this inscription was written out. He is now reading it. Now this is the inscription that was written out. Mene, mene, tekel, efarsin. Nobody can read this. Nobody knows what it says. Now if you go look at commentaries, it's about the same. People are on an agreement. Some say it's Chaldean. Some say it's Aramaic. Some say it's this. Some say it's that. Now, now he's going to give us the interpretation. They can't argue with that. But so many people don't know what this means. I looked at probably about eight or nine resources, and I like this one. And it was a Zondervan dictionary of all places. It said, a great deal of discussion has taken place regarding this writing, both as to the original form of the inscription and to its interpretation. 
The words should seem to refer to three weights in common use. Now, listen, because this is how God chose that night at a banquet of thousands of people, big brouhaha going on, and silently disembodied fingers are going to write this. This is the way God chose to communicate. The words seem to refer to three weights in common use, the mina, the shekel, and the half mina. Or they may be terms used in Mesopotamian counting houses, meaning numbered, numbered, weighed, and divisions. All right? It is noted that Upharsin is the inscription, becomes Perez in the interpretation. It's, it's plural of Perez. So some of your translations say Perez at the end. Okay? Note that the U is a connecting participle and, while Farsin is the plural form of Perez. So some people will read that and go, well, this doesn't even make any sense. It's not grammatically right. It is, whenever you look into it. So there's no contradiction here. So God is speaking from heaven. The finger of God wrote the Ten Commandments. Do you remember that? Jesus stooped on the ground and wrote with his finger, and the finger has written this riddle on the wall. And Perez means divide, and it naturally suggests the Persians with the way the word is. So Daniel's brought in, and here's the interpretation. You guys with me? Come on, let's wake up. You need to hear this. I need to hear this. You got to wake up. Okay, I'm being nice. I'm on the computer. My parents will see me. In. Yeah, you got to calm down up there. I'm old, but I still got parents. <laughs> folks, 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 if you're watching what's going on, if you've got half a clue what's happening in the world right now, open them little eyes and sit up. Yep. Take a deep breath. And this is the word of God. Let it flow over you. Let it speak to you about what happened here because it's only going to get better. He said, this is the interpretation. Mine, God has numbered your kingdom and put an end to it. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found deficient. Perez, your kingdom has been divided and given over to the Medes and the Persians. Now, do you remember a dream Nebuchadnezzar had about a big statue? Head of gold? What came next in the statue? Silver chest and arms. And who did that represent? The Medo-Persians. It's happening. The dream is happening now. Nebuchadnezzar's dead. He's gone. And now his grandson's here and it's going down. So, could you imagine this happening? He is looking at him and he said, God has numbered your kingdom and put an end to it. That means God's going to look at our kingdom. He's going to look at our country. He examines our country. In this situation, he's a your kingdom. With your toast and your drinking and your debauchery and all your gods, it's been numbered and God's putting an end to it. And let's get a little personal here now in the next word. Tekel. You know what? You have been weighed on the scales and found deficient. All our arrogance, we want to point a finger at God. Why doesn't God this? Why does God that? Speaking of things we don't even understand, are you that brazen that you're going to raise your fist in the face of God and in turn say, well, let me measure you, old man, young woman. In this situation, he has been weighed on the scales of heaven and he was found deficient. There are people out there also being weighed on the measure of scales of heaven. Don't forget that. Don't think God is asleep at the wheel. That God is watching and they're being weighed on the scales and they're being found deficient. And he said, it's over with. Your kingdom's being divided and given over to the Medes and the Persians. Who, by the way, have been camping outside their city for quite a while. They're impenetrable fortress. They'll never get in here anyway. Then Belshazzar gave orders and they clothed Daniel with purple. Ah. 
and put a necklace of gold around his neck and issued a proclamation concerning him that he now had authority as the third ruler in the kingdom. Ooh, everybody, the king wants to clap, clap, clap. Ooh. I wonder what the king's doing all this time. You know, I'd be sitting over there going, oh my goodness, I got to sober up, give me some coffee. I got to think about this. And scripture goes on to say that same night, Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, was slain. So Darius the Mede received the kingdom at about the age of 62. So scripture stops there. Now we got time. It worked out well. I want to tell you the rest of the story about what happened. So you can go look this up in history, and some people may really like this. Now, I looked up in Phrase Finder because have you ever heard the term the writing on the wall? Okay. How many people, Mike was talking about that this morning, how many people say that and don't realize it comes from the Bible? I got fired Friday. Well, you didn't see the writing on the wall, did you? And you kept coming in late, and they kept writing you up. And they were talking about you and all. That was writing on the wall, baby. You're going to be fired. I don't know why you're surprised. She left me. Well, you didn't see the writing on the wall. She'd been running around behind you for a long time. This is where it comes from. They saw the writing on the wall, and they didn't understand it. We might see what's going down, and we don't understand it. And that's where this term comes from. That's even fascinating, too, isn't it? That It's a word, it's a term that's used in our generation. So Phrase Finder said the point was that Belshazzar couldn't see the warning that was apparent to others because he was engrossed with his sinning ways. Whoa! Boy, that sounds like us today, doesn't it? Now you look at me like, why is he so excited about that? (laughs) I'm excited because I'm a Christian and I've been trying to figure out what's going on, seeking God and praying about it, and to realize the warning signs that Jesus told us would be there. That people are not seeing the warning signs because they're so engrossed with their sinning ways. And we're going to see more and more of a liberty given to people who have authority to say, go and sin, sin more. Sin more. Your sin is good. What is good, they're going to call bad. And what is bad, they're going to call good. And we're, we're seeing it like never before. And I don't know what executive order is coming out next week. But what will be made legal next week? And they've all done it. President Trump went in there and wrote executive orders. Just so happens this president's writing more almost than anybody. Roosevelt wrote the most in the first month. He's catching him right now. Okay? So they clothed Daniel. They do the very thing he didn't want. They give him all this respect that he didn't want. Probably just wanted to go back to his room. And you notice it never says anything here about Daniel's frame of mind, that he counted the years, that he knew it was 70 years, that anybody was packing their bags waiting. I think the people of God may have forgotten. It's an argument of silence, but within 70 years, they could forget. So we need to realize we can forget too. We can come complacent. We don't expect the rapture of the church. We don't expect God to do anything novel and big anymore like that song. We just are here, and we're just muddling our way through it. Instead of being hopeful, instead of being excited, instead of looking for the things of God, or here I am, Lord, use me. I want to be a part of whatever is going to go down, Father. So they do all this, he's suddenly given, uh, he's the third ruler in the kingdom, and he's going to face some bad stuff later. And that very night, Belshazzar the Chaldean was slain. He was partying with no idea concerned that he would die that night and appear before God. Last thing he was doing was having a drunken party, toasting other gods, then he's dead. And Darius the Mede comes in, okay? So now we hear about Darius the Mede, we've got about 10 minutes, so just so you don't get nervous. This part really excites me as a guy, ladies could get excited about this too. Darius, historically, people don't know who he is. So they're like, he wasn't a real guy. This is not a true story. 
There's a later Darius I who's proven. Okay, there's no doubt about him. But this guy, they're unsure about until you look further into it. I found under one of these scholars who looked up that Darius was actually the uncle of Cyrus. Okay? So Cyrus, this, this historian Prudeau is his name, he recorded Darius the Mede, the uncle of Cyrus, took the kingdom. For Cyrus allowed him the title of all his conquest as long as he lived. So the puzzle pieces are falling in. Diane and I love puzzles. When you get more pieces and you start to see the picture. So we're seeing the picture here that Cyrus conquered Babylon, and then he put his uncle in charge. Thus, we have Darius and Cyrus together. It's not a contradiction in Scripture. Daniel 6.28 will later say, so this Daniel enjoyed success in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So Scripture backs it up in the later chapter we'll look at next week. So God's promised deliverance of his people came through Cyrus, and this was all prophesied in advance too. So you ready to hang in there a few more minutes to see this? If you let this sink into you, it will blow you away. There's nowhere else can you find this in any book in the world. So Cyrus was the king of Persia. And it was prophesied in advance through Isaiah by name that he would conquer them, that he would be the deliverer. By name, people. By name. God told Isaiah in advance that he was going to do it. He was the king of Persia, the conqueror of Babylon, and the first ruler of Persia to make a decree allowing the Israelites to return to Jerusalem because the 70 years were up. And God told him in 70 years, not 69 years, not 71 years, but in 70 years, I'm going to deliver you and I'm going to do it through a man named Cyrus. And here it is. And you can go look that up in history about this going down, even the year that it was conquered. Now hang with me. I'm going to read this to you and hear the power of it. Isaiah 45, 1-7, the prophet Isaiah, given the word of God, says, Thus says the Lord to Cyrus, his anointed. This is before any of this went down. Whom I have taken by the right hand to subdue nations before him and to loose the loins of kings. To open doors before him so that gates will not be shut. I will go before you and make the rough places smooth. I will shatter the doors of bronze and cut through their iron bars. I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden wealth of secret places so that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who calls you by your name. For the sake of Jacob, my servant, and Israel, my chosen one, I have also called you by your name. I have given you a title of honor that you have not, though you have not known me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I will gird you, though you have not known me, that men may know from the rising to the setting of the sun that there is no one besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other, the one forming light and creating darkness, causing well-being and creating calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. Have we forgotten that God does all these things? So here's the, here's the scoop that gets me real excited. So this place, Babylon... They didn't have helicopters. They couldn't come in, right? They couldn't scale the walls. This place was impenetrable. But God knew something else, and he gave this man the wisdom. What did I tell you earlier ran through the middle of the city? Euphrates River. So if you like warfare and you like military stuff. So here's a weakness. Now, they had built a wall inside the city. As the river ran through, there's still a wall on both sides of the river. So you can't even get in there, and they were bronze gates. Do you remember what Scripture said? God said, I will open the bronze gates before you, before it ever happened. Okay? So what he did, he's been out there for a while, ready to lay siege on them. He knew that it was a, a national feasting, drunken debauchery day. 
and he waited. He positioned troops on the south side of the city, on the other end where the Euphrates comes out. He positioned troops on the north side where the Euphrates went in, and then he positioned another group way up north, and you know what they were doing? They were digging a reservoir, and they were diverting the Euphrates River at a certain time he was going to give the command, and they were to divert the river. Oh, So you think there's something in your life that God can't handle and can't take care of? And you don't see an answer for? So they're diverting the river where they're all getting drunk. And as the river slowly goes down, these pre-positioned troops are there. And when it was low enough that they could wade in, they went underneath. And they went in. And God saw that that night, because of all the drunkenness going on, the bronze gates were left open. Because God said, in 70 years, I'm going to come get you. And I'm going to liberate you. And it doesn't matter how tall the walls are. It doesn't matter if the gates are made of bronze. It doesn't matter if there's a river there. I'm coming to get you. And he did. And he even said, I'm going to use this man, if you're listening. So here's this guy, and he commands them. Is this not remarkable? Would this not be a great movie? It would be a fantastic movie. So all these soldiers go in, and they, they start fighting. They take over the city, and the city is asleep, not paying attention. And the Jews are all there in their houses and all. But imagine this big sitting target of a hall full of thousands of drunk people. And the enemy comes in. And that night, they kill him. So Cyrus has taken the city as God said, because God will fulfill his word. Seventy years is up. God has delivered his people because God said he would. And then Cyrus is actually in charge of it all. And you're going to see him later. But he's put his uncle in place for now. That's why you have Darius. And something was issued. It's recorded in Ezra. This is the last on the story, then I'm going to turn to you guys. Ezra, it's recorded, Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he sent a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing, saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord God of heaven has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever there is among you of all his people, may his God be with him. Let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. Every survivor at whatever place he may live, let the men of that place support him with silver and gold, with goods and cattle, together with a freewill offering for the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. Those survivors are those who weren't killed. That's not the Israelites. They're going to give them their stuff as they return home because the time of their captivity was over. And can you imagine that? Those who forgot, those who weren't looking for God anymore, those who were depressed, burned out, sad and all. It's like, have you not heard what happened last night? Get up. Wake up. Get up. Get dressed. We've been delivered. We're going home. This guy's Cyrus. He's not a bad guy. He's not who we heard. He's telling us to go back and we're going to rebuild the temple. And they're giving us stuff. Come on, get up. Come on, God's doing something. Get out of bed. So God was faithful to fulfill his word. We read earlier, he said, 70 years and I'm going to do it. 70 years and he did it. And we see that we're going to continue with the story. Daniel was like 82 or more. He he chose to stay there. He's like, I'm not going back. I'm just going to stay here. Can you relate to that, the older you get? Like, eh, I'm too old, man. I'm just going to stay here. I got a life. Belshazzar is dead. He, he squandered his life, all the resources he had, all the opportunities he was given. He lived selfishly. He lived fleshly. 
He had all these concubines. His thing was about drinking and partying and being the dude, the man of all. And he was hanging on the coattails of much grander men who went before him and interacted with the God of heaven. He had nothing to do with him. He mocked him and he died that night. He died that night and he had to stand before him. So how about us? There's a fellow named Mr. M.R. Dehan. If you've ever held one of these daily breads, it's because of him. He's a co-editor. He's dead now. He wrote something about this, and I want you to hear you. Everybody, we're almost done. When I say you, think of you. Not the person sitting next to you, not your wife or husband. Dehan said, may I ask you, are you ready to meet the one and only King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Lord Jesus Christ? Belshazzar was feasting amidst the judgment that was impending. Then God's warning finger came, and then the judgment fell. You too, my friend, if you are unsaved, are feasting amidst the ominous rumblings of coming judgment. And this is God's warning to you to flee from the wrath to come before it's too late. God help you to look to Christ now and be saved. That's a lesson for us to hear today. It's a lesson for anybody that gets recorded is willing to sit through here and listen to me. That God's judgment does come, and our only salvation, our only safety, our only security is in the blood of Jesus Christ. Because his word is true. God is faithful to his word, and it's a covenant of grace. God will do it. God has done it. He did it on the cross for us. Jesus has already done it. It's not a covenant of works. You don't have to try to be good enough. So in this day and age, if you're still hanging in there trying to be good enough, put it aside. Jesus has already paid the price for all of your sin. And it's covered by his blood. All you have to do is trust him to give yourself to him. Because if you have not picked up on this, God is going to fulfill his word. And he's spoken about other things that haven't happened yet. And they are going to go down. They are going to go down. So do you want to be at the the drunken party living in the flesh? Or do you want to be awake in the spirit? Watching and waiting, participating in things, growing in relationship with other Christians, serving, bringing life to his church, being a part of his way. So when someone says, I've, I've heard about you, I've heard some good things about you. That's really nice, isn't it? When someone says, I heard about you. Not about, I heard about you. Jesus himself said, his word is true. No man comes to the Father, but through him. He's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. It's a spoken word. It's like the 70 years. It's truth. It's solid. God, make your word come alive, Father. I pray, please, Lord. I am but a man, and I don't claim that I can do anything to manipulate you or guilt you or inspire you even. It can only be by the word of God. God, sink deep on them, I pray, Father. Work with me right now. Let them hear by your Holy Spirit. Wake them up, God, so they know it's only through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. He is the only way. His word is true and it will be fulfilled. Don't get too excited right now. Don't get, I mean, this is serious stuff, folks. It's serious stuff. And I'm afraid we're back in our little servant house in slavery asleep because we don't think he still cares and he's still active, that we're afraid to come out. But it's time for the people of God to realize salvation has come. Our deliverance is here. We've been liberated, and we got another home that we're going to be going to. Matthew 19, 25, 26 talked about that they thought rich people could get into heaven, that they had a better chance than the rest, and Jesus said, no, easier for a camel. When the disciples heard this, they were very astonished and said, then who can be saved? Who can be saved? 
And looking at them, Jesus said to them, with people, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. Now, I do ask you, do, before God, do you believe that? With God, all things are possible. Be careful. Be careful. Because if you say it, the expectation is you're going to live it. Now, do you believe that with God all things are possible? Oh, okay, I like that. It was less a response. That doesn't mean I'm going to be an astronaut, okay, or ballerina. That's not what he's talking about. With God, all things are possible. We have a, oh my goodness, this is a mighty group of people here right now. These are the chosen people of God, covered by the blood of Jesus Christ with his word in your hands. We can read it, and we can see what's coming, and we can see what's expected of us, and we can know that it's by his grace that we're still here, and we can be excited, right? I'm looking at my wife for support. She knows why I'm here. She knows why I do this because God called me to. And I so much want you to hear God's word. But if you do not give of yourself, you're going to be in trouble. God loves you. And there are things coming. And he will not leave us and he will not forsake us. And we can be excited about it. You do not have to be afraid. You do not have to succumb. You do not have to hide. God has got this, we are his, and he's going to use us, and we're going to watch as this happens and be a part and play the role that he has for each of us and all of us together, if you're paying attention. If you're paying attention. Do you believe that these young people over here, from the front to there to there, do you believe that God sees them and God knows their hearts, he knows their fears, he knows their anxieties, he knows their excitements? Do you believe that? Do you believe that God desires great things for these young men, these ladies, young men, young ladies, all these people back here? Do you believe that? Okay, they are our future. We still have a role to play in this. He was like 82 years old. He's still a big player. But these kids are having the world thrown at them right now. They are being pounded every day, every week. They're being pounded, and we need to pray for them. And we need to stay alert and stay awake and and partake in the Word of God and be a part of this and pray for them to support them if you believe this. Because they really need it. They have it hard right now. And they're having a hard time seeing through this. And they need to see their mom and dad. They need to see us honoring the Word of God, believing the Word of God is true. It's not just myths. It's not just fables. It's the Word of God, and He will fulfill His Word. And He's calling them to a higher place, just like Daniel. He was 82, but when he was taken captive, he was just a young man. But he stayed true. All right. I have gone over. I relinquish the platform to Roger to come up. This area will be open. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, don't hear this as a cliche. If you don't know about the blood of Christ, if your hands aren't covered in the blood of Christ, your body's not covered in the blood of Christ, Belshazzar wasn't either. You can do that today. You can give your life to Christ. We can hook you up with somebody that you can grow. But don't wait another day. If God's speaking to you today, then come forward and confess your sin and receive forgiveness through Christ. If you've gotten away from him, if God was to measure you today, He said, you've lost your first love. You're being ruled by something else. Then this area is open for you to come forward to today. Sure, you can sit at your seats and you can, especially if you're unable to walk. But there's something about coming forward to the altar of God. And this is what we call in our church the altar of God. And it's open today. So if you have a prayer request or you want to intercede from somebody, this area will be open.